Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of The Close-Up Magic. Today, I am your host, Stephen Cameron, and with me, as always, is my man, Malik Grady. I don't quite have that, like, announcer voice that I want, but anyways, how are you doing, Malik? What's going on, bro? I'm doing fantastic. I really am. Um, I'm exhilarated, like I said, um, after a week of the kids being at my in-laws and they're back and they're all huggy and I missed you daddy and all that kind of stuff. So that's awesome. We're getting closer and closer to the draft. Yes. Um, we had a great conversation today with a guy that I, I've admired online for, for a while and enjoyed his work. And he was as cool as we'd hoped. So it's just life is good, man. Yeah, man. Um, I'm jazzed again after this, uh, after this conversation and dude, like we've had some great, great conversations with people recently for the show. And it's, 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 uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, and this episode is another really good one where, um, Jackson Frank of, of basketball news a national media outlet, um, often sends a random tweet about some random Orlando magic player and why he's excited about them. And, uh, you know, about a week and a half, about a week ago, um, he had a, a really cool tweet um, about not being able to wait to see the stardom of Wendell Carter Jr. And, uh, you know, we, we got him on the show. He, I, I reached out to him. He, he agreed to come on and, and yeah, I mean, he likes Wendell Carter and he likes the magic and it's, it's cool to, it's cool to see some national love out of that, you know, and, and, and Frank is a uh, Frank Jackson, Jackson, Frank, sorry. Uh, Jackson is a, um, I'm not gonna say up and coming. He's a national media writer who's early in his career. This is the first time doing it, uh, uh, first year um, covering the league full time uh, financially, which is dope. Which is so cool. I love that aspect. Um, a rising just, star. Yeah. Yeah. Just see young up and coming um, people within their careers. Like, I mean, he's been covering the league and basketball for a while, but to just see him now at this level was rad. Um, you know, cute. Before we we'll get into the conversation. Just first off, we'll we'll do our our. Uh, Housekeeping. This podcast is supported um, very well by 19 Media Group. Um, just big shout out to them. Go check out 19mediagroup.com. Um, we, uh, they'll, they'll appreciate it. Um, and, and they got some really good content out there. So just go check them out. Um, if, you, uh, 
if you guys are fans of wrestling, I want to give this podcast a shout out because they are absolutely great and hilarious. Um, go check out the Gimmick Infringement podcast on 19 Media Group uh, for all you wrestling fans. Uh, it's great. Um, I, I'm not into wrestling, but I'll turn it on every now and then just to hear the co-hosts like the hosts just go on about it and they're 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 a fun group so go go check them out um, i'm always Im- impressed by wrestling because it's basically like you have like 300 days out of a year you're doing like a live action movie with dude, stunt people and everything and it's just like <laughs> storylines and acting and you know following all that kind of stuff so it's i'm i don't watch it regularly but i'm always impressed you know yeah it's uh it's definitely having a comeback which is pretty cool um also we appreciate you guys all interacting with us online. Um, we've really been feeling the love the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, at, talking to us after we post an episode and you've had a chance to listen to it. Um, you know, we've even gotten a couple extra reviews in recently. We'd love it. If you, if you enjoy the show, go leave us a review. Um, if you don't enjoy the show and think we could do better send us a DM. All right. <laughs> uh, about uh, how know. we've had some. Oh. <laughs> we lost you for a second. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my internet's getting a little buggy right now. But uh, <laughs> anyways, we just we appreciate you all interacting with us. Uh, and so if you have a moment, please go give us a, little, a review and, and some feedback. That'd be dope. Um, and uh, and yeah, so anyways, Malik, unless you have anything else, I think we should just get into this interview with, with uh, this conversation with Jackson Frank of Basketball News. Wide ranging. Dude, it's great. It's great. Listeners, I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. All right, everyone, like we said in the intro, we have Jackson Frank from uh, Basketball News with us tonight. Um, first off, Jackson, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's it's a pleasure to have you. Malik and I have been following you for a while, um, and it's great to find someone who kind of likes and appreciates the Orlando Magic and likes to give off some positive tweets a little bit. Um, uh, I, you guys didn't get a chance to talk too much before I, we hit the record button, um, but Malik Grady is my co-host. And uh, he, he joined the show full time almost two months ago now um, and, and it's great value to us. And I'm just really looking forward to the conversation. So, Jackson, uh, thanks for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. On the on the eve of game through the NBA finals tied at one, there's no better thing I'd love to be doing than talking Orlando Magic. So happy to be here and uh, talk about their young core. And uh, you know, obviously, I say a little bit in jest, but I really do enjoy talking about this team and happy to have the opportunity from the two of you. So thank you for, uh, for giving me that platform tonight. Yeah, no problem. Malik, man, let's check in with you, man. How are you tonight? I'm pretty good. I just had had a week with the kids with my in-laws, and um, we actually have an extra day of rest uh, for the show that we're doing. So we only have three days left in the show. So get a little bit of rest, actually feel like a human being, and uh, looking forward to talking some basketball. Yeah, yeah, that, that's great, man. I, I, I'm glad you're feeling rested right now, because I know your life <laughs> has been crazy. Um. So for the listeners that, that are tuning in right now, we're recording this on uh, on June 7th. Um, as you know, the Magic have the number one pick in the draft, uh, kind of in this rebuild, young core. Um, and we're just we're just here to get excited and talk about the team a little bit differently. It might be a little less draft heavy, um, but also who knows? We we'll, we're just going to let this conversation be pretty organic tonight. Um, Jackson, May 30th, you sent out a tweet I find myself pondering the quietly imminent stardom of Wendell Carter Jr. rather often these days. That caught my eye uh, <laughs> as someone who, who follows uh, you and a bunch of other guys from, from the outlet. And um, I immediately just invited you to the show because it's rare that 
someone who works for uh, a national outlet um, cares enough to want to tweet randomly in the middle of the of the playoffs, <laughs> Wendell Carter Jr. and the Orlando Magic. Um, so I just, I guess my question is, what what spurred that? What, what what brought that tweet on? What what is your thought process to, that that brought you to think about Wendell Carter on a regular basis? <laughs> well, I think you know as as the playoff games have become more thinned out and there's more days in between and there's fewer things to focus on. Like obviously, I'm still doing a lot of coverage with that, but I just I just found myself thinking about some of the young teams that I really enjoyed this year. I think I tweeted maybe four or five days really about the Cavs. Um, you know, thoughts some stuff about the Rockets as well. And, you know, the Thunder, another team in that kind of that realm, obviously different tiers with the Cavs and the Magic and, and whatnot. But um, just kind of a little bit kind of getting the gears turning with, with some offseason content. I'm sure we're like to try and do kind of during, you know, the offseason once that fully approaches uh, is maybe hit on some of these young guys that are on lottery teams or maybe you didn't hit, people don't have as much time to read about or watch it, watch during the regular season, um, especially in their playoffs. So just kind of me thinking about different things to maybe write about in July and August and September when, you know, there's not, you know, there's no playoff games. There's nothing like that. You know, I think I'll be, you know, I'll write about some playoffs. I'm sure, you know, playoff teams during the off season, but I'll be a little bit exhausted of, of that. And so try and get back into the full scope of coverage. So um, especially on those off days, I don't know if that was an off day on May 30th, but um, just kind of find myself thinking about non playoff or non finals teams in this case. Um, and the Magic are, have been one of my favorite teams to watch last year, and Wendell's rise was, was one of the leading reasons for that. So um, just the way he grew both, you know, when he was immediately traded to the Magic in the Vucevic trade in February 2021, or maybe March, I guess the deadline was a little later with that wonky season. But um, right, right. And just even the way he grew throughout this past year, I think, you know, by the end, um, you know, ha has me really excited. And also just, you know, shout out Mark Schindler, who also reads basketball news, did a really awesome feature on Wendell, um, broke down – tape got quotes from Wendell about his game quotes about his personality so um if you're listening to this and you want even more in-depth positivity about Wendell definitely check that out from Mark on Basketball News but, but yeah just kind of planning kind of planning off-season content and thinking about making sure I'm always refreshing myself on some of these teams I haven't played for you know about two months now at this point that's that's interesting that you brought up Mark uh that was an article that 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 definitely hit magic Twitter pretty hard I know um I read it when he first published it Malik Remind me, you just read it again today, but I know you read it back then too, but you refreshed yourself with it today, didn't you? Well, no, I mean, I, I, had, I had seen it. I, I had one of those things I had kind of bookmarked, but I hadn't actually um, read it all the way through. Um, so I got a chance to, to read all the way through today and kind of see all the nuance and what Mark had gone into. And like you said, seeing all the film, that, that kind of thing. So that was really interesting to, to see that. Um, so what 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 specifically about what Mark wrote or kind of what's what's about Wendell? I guess I wonder what's your history with Wendell when he was drafted? Was he somebody that like some people were like, oh, this is, this guy could be a poor man's Horford or what have you? Like, what what was your relationship with with Wendell in terms of coming out of the draft? Yeah, so this class was kind of my first introduction to doing any sort of in depth draft work. I did pretty serious in depth draft work from about that class through a little bit of last year, and then I just could, it just was too much to balance with doing as much as I want with the NBA in general. But um, I remember, you know, so I'm still doing some, I still work for Liberty Ballers covering the Sixers as well um, on a freelance basis. And I remember I picked up Wendell as a draft profile and just, you know, watched, I don't know, however many, six, seven, eight games. And just, and then the 10th pick that year, obviously Wendell was a little higher than I think he went six in 2018. Um, and just kind of really fell in love with his kind of his face-up game, his, his passing, his mobility on the perimeter, his 
potential to be a stretch big and um, it has followed him since. I know, you know, in Chicago, it was kind of a tumultuous tenure. It was kind of a, a pretty abbreviated first year with some injuries, but you saw some flashes, especially on defense. And then year two, a little bit of the same. And, uh, and then obviously year three, year three midway through he was playing decently. And then he got, you know, moved to Orlando and that, that big Vucevic trade that was kind of a, was an inflection point for both franchises. And, um, and so he's kind of following his game that first, you know, first couple of months in Orlando and then um, really kind of nailing down my kind of standing in terms of devoting my, be able to devote myself full time to NBA coverage and, you know, make that my, my only form of income this past year, just watching him from day one. And like, I think, I don't know, I don't know, maybe watch the magic's first or second or third game and, and just kind of his aggressiveness and the, the way he was playing, because that was always kind of his issue, right? At least in Chicago was that there would be times where he wouldn't even look at the basket and he would, he would kind of yeah. just conduit yeah. for passing. He's a good passer, obviously, but he had the ball 14 feet from the rim and he would just be kind of looking for dribble handoff or a screen. And you're like, like, dude, take two dribbles in, hit that little floater or do something. And it was just a different level of aggression this year from him. He looked more comfortable with his ball skills. And I think you saw that expand throughout the season even. So um, just kind of him starting to really actualize what made me such a big fan of his back in 2018, back four, I guess maybe three and a half years ago from when I, you know, when this season started uh, and just being a really big fan of that. And in conjunction with, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, about it, but like in conjunction with some of the other young guys in Orlando, um, realizing that they've got a really fun young core here. And Wendell is, you know, arguably the leader of that. Um, and so just, just liking that I could tell her he's clearly turning a corner and he was starting to really make good on everything that kind of first reeled me in as a fan, you know, back during the 2018 draft process. Let me ask you a question here, Jackson. Um, I, I was, totally wrong on Wendell Carter before he came to the magic. And I'm, and I'm so glad to be wrong. I was actually like disappointed that he was coming to the magic. Uh, I get roasted on this all the time from some of our, uh, our community online uh, and in some chats. And it's, it's really funny. And I'm always happy to be wrong. Like it's always great when someone is, is blowing my initial thoughts and expectations away. Um, what do you, what do you think it is? Like, was it a culture thing? Was it a, uh, uh, empowerment from a coaching standpoint to, to him, what do you think was it, or, or, or even just like some consistent health for, for a while, what do you think is, is one of the bigger factors for him to be able to like kind of make this really impressive turn, at least from my perspective, I didn't, I'm not going to lie and say I watched a ton of bulls tape on him. Um, but just from what I saw when like the magic would play them, what, what do you think it was that like has just really had him become like one of our more reliant players, consistent players, um, you know, top, top two, three players on the team right now. Like what's, what's caused that change? Yeah. Well, I think as always, there's, you know, there's kind of a confluence of factors, right? And I think health is certainly one of them. Um, you know, like I kind of mentioned at the top, he had a lot of kind of inconsistent playing time and that's, that's tough for any young player, right? You, you got to find your footing and you can't do that without getting out there for 60, 70, 80 games. Uh, and so that was important. And, uh, and I think obviously to an extent, it seemed like he maybe wasn't as empowered in Chicago. Um, I think one of the most impressive things to me this year was, you know, early in the year, he was shooting the, the lights out from three, right? I think maybe open the year 38, 40, 42% for a couple of months, month and a half. And he only, only ended the year at 33%. And that even those lulls from deep never seemed to deter him. He was still taking the threes, you know, shot faking the pull-ups and driving, things like that. 
And I don't think that would have been the case, you know, maybe even a year ago or a year and a half ago in Chicago. I think he kind of let some of the results dictate how he played. And you like you can if the results aren't influenced by a defensive scheme, then you shouldn't let that do that. Right? Like it's one thing. Like if a team's you know forcing you left and you keep trying to go right, you turn it over. Then that's one thing. But he seemed to kind of let just how a possession unfold, regardless of what the defense did, alter how he played. And that's not. I don't think that's mm-hmm. that can't be the case. And so. You know, in Orlando this year, especially, wasn't wasn't the case. He was still taking those trailer threes with confidence. He was still shot faking, doing that all stuff with you know, kind of a dribble drive game that seemed to kind of take a big leap this past year. So, um, I think it was just the, the the health. He maybe gave him some confidence he needed, and also I think Jamal Mosley's done a really good job of putting guys in in, in good roles. I mean, I think to a guy like Franz Wagner, who one of his issues, you know, pre-draft, you know, from my understanding, was he was sometimes too tepid offensively, especially from deep and if from my vantage, I obviously didn't watch every Orlando game, but from my vantage point, that wasn't often an issue with Franz. He's letting it fly, taking pull-up threes, leading the break, initiating pick and rolls. And so I think, you know, at least with those those two guys specifically, Mosley's done a really good job about kind of putting them in proper roles and making sure they feel empowered to kind of explore the depths of their game at this young stage of their NBA careers. I think you yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, I I live about two hours away from Orlando, so I actually got to cover the Magic just once in person. And I I asked Wendell about uh, you know what the off season extension meant for him in terms of being empowered and kind of invested in the team. And it's a guy who, as you saw from Mark's article, he wants to be a leader. He wants to be feel invested in that kind of thing. So. He said that it really meant a lot that the team believed in him and that he had a place that he could call home because he didn't expect to to leave Chicago. So it's interesting what you say about that kind of confidence and seeing himself kind of, uh, you know, invested on the court. And how did you see that specifically in terms of how he dealt with other players in terms of kind of being more of a leader on the court? Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to know specifically kind of those those intangible parts of the game, especially if I'm not around the team, you know, covering day in, day out, whatnot. But I think just in terms of the actual on-court impact, like I said, the way the way he was like his dribble drive game this year was really fun. There aren't many big men who can put the ball in the deck like he can, you know, and shoot it from the perimeter. He didn't shoot the ball great from three, but um, the volume did kind of at least force teams to respect him. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I, I can only probably – uh, I, w- I would imagine it's single digits, the number of bigs that are better drivers in the NBA. You know, you look at a Carlton Towns, you know, uh, a Jokic and Embiid. I'm sure, you know, Christian Wood's a pretty good driver as well from the perimeter. can shoot from deep. Um, I'm sure there's some, you know, I'm kind of forgetting, but it's not a big, it's not a big, big list. And so um, just him kind of showcasing his ball skills, I thought was the most important thing. But he was also balancing, you know, getting, getting a Cole Anthony involved or Gary Harris or, you know, a Chumo Kiki at times, a Franz Wagner he and Franz's two-man game was really fun this year. I hope to see even more of that this next season. I think that should be a big priority is, you know, they, they had a good synergy, but maybe even trying to add more, more wrinkles to the playbook, because I think you could make a strong case of those two right now. We're kind of your most, you know, promising young guys. I'm not saying that, you know, other guys like Suggs or Coyne Anthony aren't, but based on last year, um, you have to feel pretty good about them. So yeah, just kind of his, the way he was able to make things happen offensively in a multitude of ways and wasn't just reliant on being a, a pick and pop big or, you know, setting screens for DHOs or pick and rolls. He was actually calling his number. And so, um, yeah, just that versatility and the, the way that kind of he used his confidence to display that versatility, I thought was really important in, in his kind of breakout year four. I think something that's really cool um, is this year I noticed that the Magic players – 
even when they were in bad moments, their confidence, like, like bad stretches of play, um, you know, their confidence didn't really seem to, to weaver much. And I put a lot of respect uh, and credit to, to Jamal Mosley and his coaching staff for creating that environment where you don't always see that sometimes like, right. Sometimes you'll see a player um, go through a rough patch of shooting or, or, or something, right. Or, or, or little injuries. And you can tell that'll affect their confidence level. And I like, I mean, Malik, I, I don't know if you might've noticed anything that I'm not seeing, but I can't really think of any instance like this season where a player's confidence was, was not at an all-time high, regardless of the situation they were in. Um, well, know, yes, especially when, when you think that they were losing so yeah. often and, and you had guys that were kind of playing for, for contracts. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting when you talk about, you know, Mo Bamba, who obviously was playing for a contract, didn't get the extension. Um, and he kind of played more of the five, kind of moving more WCJ to the four. How much do you think that positional versatility helped Wendell Carter this year? Because we'd always, they always, always talked about he could play the four, but in Chicago, he almost exclusively was at the five. There wasn't anybody who ever moved him to the four. This is the first year he actually really did it, and he seemed to really blossom. Was, was that a reason why he blossomed, or what do you think, Jackson? Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny because usually you would, when you, when you, like when Wendell moved to the four, you'd think that maybe you have more of a interior presence at the five and Mo is, you know, he'll finish some stuff yeah. on cuts and whatnot and maybe get some lobs because he's got ridiculous length, but he's, you know, largely a floor spacer, pick and pops, corner three, stuff like that. Um, and so I think part of it was just Wendell kind of being allowed to play a perimeter into game. I think, you know, I think part of it was there was a little bit of rigidity in his role in, in Chicago, especially under Jim Boylan. Um, you know, we obviously, you know, there's some, you know, some issues with kind of the way maybe the players mesh with his philosophies yeah. as a head coach, at least. And I think that definitely manifested in Wendell who didn't necessarily, and I don't want to read too much into it, but clearly there was a shift in, you know, kind of his level of aggression, the way he showcases ball skills. And um, I know Billy Donham was there for, I think this is year two for Billy Donham. So I guess half a year of Wendell. Um, I even thought Wendell was actually pretty, pretty solid under, under Billy for half a year. Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, play that four, maybe given a role, like, because power forwards most often are going to maybe put the ball in the deck more than the center might, might, you know, just kind of the general conventional wisdom, right. That if you have your power forward, that maybe you'll be empowered to, uh, you know, do some of that stuff more. So that was part of it. But I think as the year went on, he realized, oh, that, that doesn't have to like, again, I don't want to like, you know, put words in his mouth, but like the way he played, at least like that didn't, his approach didn't shift offensively like when you play the five at times because i think usually they would bring or call other rotation was bumbo would come out early and then mo which or wendell would shift to the five yeah um it didn't change like he wasn't all of a sudden just like trying to post guys up all the time and finish lobs he was still doing stuff as a trailer still playing his game yeah yeah so i think it was just that like initially maybe playing the four was important for him to to kind of be like oh yeah this this is what i can do this is kind of part of what's always been my allures and whether to recruit a prospect, a young player in the NBA. And, and then it was like, Oh, I can do this. And then when I play the five, I can still do it. I just have maybe some little bit different responsibilities defensively, at least. So um, that, that was what stood out to me. And I think that'll be, you know, important regardless of what happens with Bamba uh, this off season. Um, you know, who I thought actually, you know, he has still has some, some flaws, but I thought actually had a pretty nice, you know, year, maybe not living up to the hype of the, you know, the six pick, um, but still a guy, I think you clearly has a role in the NBA, whether that's with the magic moving forward, but, um, you know, a guy that thought I had a pretty nice year under Mosley as well. So, 
Um, I think that'll be important for Wendell, regardless of what happens with, with Mo, to continue kind of playing that way when he toggles across the four and the five in, in different lineups. I, I think, uh, you know, I mean, it's pretty exciting when you think about, like, just the the options we have with, you know, Jonathan Isaac potentially coming back, hopefully, right? Um, you have, you know, potentially Mo Bamba coming back. We have the possibility of drafting a, a, most likely going to be another big unless something crazy happens between, you know, Jabari, Chet, uh, Paulo. Um, you know, we even have Chuma. So it's just like, the possibility of lineups and the, the versatility that he gives by being able to play the four and the five um, compared to, you know, uh, just other centers who are not as versatile to be able to do that. I'm not even going to throw another player's name. I don't need to. Um, it's just, it's just very exciting to think about, right? We're just going to have so many options with different types of lineups with what he's going to be able to do. Um, and I think if I can play off of that, what, one of the yeah. like, one of the things that kind of maybe gets overstated when you analyze a young guy or a prospect over it is like this kind of this jack of all trades idea, right? Um, like you gotta be, you gotta be good at something or multiple things to get you on an NBA floor. And Wendell is kind of a jack of all trades, but he's actually good at multiple things, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, the drive, the, the, the driving game, the passing game, you know, the, the versatility to play, you know, switch to ball screen versus play a drop as well. Um, so that, that's, what's really important is he, like you said, like, a lot of times, oh yeah, people talk, oh, he's got to get this versatility, or, and maybe it's kind of hypothetical, but he has five or six different skills that fit different positions that allow him to play on an NBA floor at you know, a 30, 33 minute you know, per game clip. So um, that's that's just an important thing to like actually capitalize on as a young guy. And Wendell's done that very well over the past year and a well, half. How versatile do you think he can, can be defensively? Like, I guess, how far down do you think he can switch? Could the Magic run a legitimate switch offense with him as the center? Or do you still have to do a little bit of, you know, second drive with some drop and that kind of stuff? Like how, how, how far can he switch? I guess. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think he's, it's something you want more as like an option. You know, I think, I don't think he is of the band that I I built, right. That like you, you want him aggressively attacking every switch. I mean, that's what makes Bam so good is like he switches and he's got his arms out and he's clogging passing lanes. And he's so, you know, agile. I don't think he's of that caliber, but I think it's something in your wheelhouse, but not, your kind of your go-to the, the only kind of limiter to me with one maybe beyond just foot speed because he's 6'10, 250 is he is a little bit like he still has to put on a little more bulk i think at times like i think i saw some um some chart uh on twitter and i think it was from people and somebody else posted if i can let me see if i can find it because this person does really good work and i want to shout them out um from nba university i think is a magic fan Oh yeah, uh, yeah. They they posted re- about rebranded, like, I think. <laughs> yeah, they posted something about like it was from a B, it was BL Index, and it was like rim deterrence versus like actually like affecting shots at the rim. And and Wendell's deterrence wasn't very high, but his like impact when people did challenge him in the rim was really high. So it's like that's where you kind of gotcha. see some of the like he's not as strong as maybe you'd want. I think you see that on the glass. I think another area he got a lot better was the the off the especially the offensive glass this past year. Um so I think with Wendell just being kind of versatile based on who's at the point of attack when you're defending a ball screen is probably your best bet, but I wouldn't want to go full bam out of bio mode because I don't think he's of that magnitude, but it's something that you can definitely use at times. And, you know, whenever he and the magic get into the playoffs, um, I think it's something you could definitely into more because it seems like a lot. I mean, just seems like switching has become such a prevalent Thing. I mean, like it's always been really pre- like kind of ever since the small ball warriors, you know, back in 2015, but it felt like 
it went away. They went away from a little bit the last few years as a whole of the league, but this last, this is last year, especially it felt like a pretty prominent defensive coverage again. So um, for just the short answer, something you want, he can do, but you don't want him one as your base coverage. I think largely you want him to drop, maybe doing some hedging. Um, I have to go back and look through my notes about how I feel about Wendell's hedging, but I definitely feel like he's someone who can at least switch and drop, but with drop being the, the kind of the, the bedrock of his, you know, ball screen defense. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. <laughs> Malik and I were talking. Um, about the draft a little bit this afternoon, I gave him a call my drive home from work. Uh, and we were just talking about how, like, it kind of doesn't matter which team you're on. If you're on Paulo, Chet or Jabari, like they have a good fit on the magic roster. Um, and so I don't know. I just kind of like want to touch base with, with, with that for a second. Do you, you know, taking a little bit of a pivot towards, towards the draft, but particularly with kind of, I, I, I part of me. And I think Malik, maybe you can word this better or, or just correct me if I'm wrong here. We were saying, or you were saying is like part of the reason we're such a good fit for all of those guys is the versatility of Wendell Carter and what he can provide. Yeah, Wendell there. and also Franz Wagner. And, and yeah. Franz. Yeah. Franz. And those two yeah. guys together right. kind of make hopefully a nice nest for whoever's at the four or the nominal five. And even, I think you tweeted something out saying, looking forward to seeing whether it's Paolo, Franz and WCJ or whether it's, you know, Chet, um, Franz and WCJ. So I don't, I don't know. I just want to say I like that, that you put a... Paulo before Chet. I am I'm team Paulo here. Malik is team Chet here. Uh, so I just, I'm just throwing out my love right there, but yeah, I just wanted to bring that up and, and Malik, thanks for, uh, expanding on that for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to preface all this, like my draft work is very cursory. It's, you know, I, I'm a Gonzaga alum, so I watched a decent amount of the games this year, but you know, I, I can't watch every game. A lot of those games are on root sports and I don't have cable and, you know, I love my Zags, but I'm not going to the depths of, <laughs> of sure. root, root sports stream on yeah, a yeah. night to watch them, you know, give Pacific the business um, or whatever. But um, so just like, and then a lot of my Paulo stuff was, you know, maybe a couple early season games up to Duke and Zaga played and then, you know, Duke play five games in the tournament. So saw a lot of them there, which was nice. Um, and I, you know, Jabari, um, I didn't watch much of him. And so some of my stuff is just kind of like, kind of take, like w- reading that stuff that my great friends do on the draft and whatnot. But, um, I, I, I haven't thought really in depth about it, but between, but I definitely prefer one of Paulo or Chet to Jabari. Just my understanding of Jabari is he's too limited as a, as a creator. And I think he's a very good on ball defender, but maybe a little more limited off the ball. 
defensively from my understanding uh, and didn't shoot well, like didn't shoot well at all on twos. And I think it was like 44% on twos, which is a pretty suboptimal clip for, you know, 6'10 guy. Um, so I'd be a little lower on him again. That's that could be not like my opinion could be nothing in this case, but on him, but um, I, I don't think you can go wrong with, with Paulo or Chet, you know, a lot of people who I respect in the draft community, they, they kind of, they, they waver back and forth on them. Uh, I do kind of think, you know, the Gonzaga, the Gonzaga fan of me does enjoy the idea of a, of a Chet and, and Jalen reunion, um, of course. And, but I think at the same time, you could, you can make the case that like, like where, where does Orlando want to go? Do they want to maybe retain some of those more defensive oriented guys that they have? Um, we, you know, and then, and then need, need a little more scoring punch. So you would go with Apollo, who's kind of that, that face-up scorer who can pass and ideally can shoot up dribble mm-hmm. and, and space the floor well has to work out some kind of tendencies of, of his has, has kind of a, is, has a habit of kind of not letting it fly off the catch and kind of surveying things and, and being a little, and being a little more methodical in how he works. Or do you want to go with maybe a little more offensively inclined core? And then you bring in Chet and you've got this guy who's a ridiculously good defender and is a, is going to be a pretty good floor spacer, you know, as he projects to be. And, um, is a really good finisher as well. Like, I mean, he's, his numbers, the rim are ridiculous and he uses that length so well. I think that's one of my favorite parts of watching his game is he can kind of just like contort his arms and limbs around guys. And he plays for physicality despite being, you know, whatever it is, one, one ninety. Um, I think that's a really impressive trait of his. So, um, so it's, it's a very, uh, it's a very, uh, lukewarm take but my my stance is i, I don't think you can go wrong it just kind of depends on what does the coaching staff in the front office see as kind of the vision how are we going to shape our core like what our play style on both ends and that's that's what i would let dictate it who do you feel like amplifies that play style more between paulo and chet whatever you whatever you choose there so um my my lowly educated stance would be one of those two and a little lower on jabari but I can definitely see a world where Jabari makes a lot of sense as kind of that second side guy because it seems like a great shooter, gives you some some versatility on the ball defensively. So um would be lower on him, but I definitely understand and see outcomes where he ends up being the the right fit. Uh and best I guess say right fit in the sense like best player, right? Because you're Orlando's so early in its rebuild still that you shouldn't be like totally hand wringing over like right fit. I think a lot of times right, right fit right. Is the best player available. So um, that would be my stance on it. But again, I could be well, very to, to, to be fair. I, I wasn't really wanting you to necessarily overextend yourself draft wise. I was more thinking of, cause you, you are pretty familiar with Franz and Wendell and kind of them as a landing spot, like how you think of that kind of synergy and their versatility to be able to switch between the three and the four and the four and the five, um, kind of talk a little bit about more what you saw in Franz. Cause you, there was one point in the season. Um, I, I think you kind of, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of lottery teams end up being kind of thirsty when it comes to national media. <laughs> so oh, anybody yeah. who's saying anything good about them, they're like, oh, this guy is great, or this guy says something bad, this guy is, you know, persona non grata, <laughs> he's the worst. So when you shouted out Franz and said, hey, why isn't Franz getting the ball more? I like what he did in December. All of a sudden, a lot of people's ears perked up and that kind of thing. So what, what did you see from Franz? And my, what I want to know is how high can he get? Can he be that primary score. I, I kind of think maybe he can, but you know, some people are kind of up and down. And also in a, in a market that is, is small, of course, I mean, like he, he just didn't get the fanfare he deserved. I don't think he like, like I think he, there were just some, I don't know. It just felt like he was, he was getting under undersold. Um, but yeah, I think moving forward, like getting him on the ball more should be a big priority. I thought he was so impressive. His, 
his pacing, his cadence, his passing, um, the way he uses his frame so well. I mean, it seems like he's moving in slow motion sometimes, but he just is like, there'll be a defender on his hip or in front of him, and all of a sudden he shoots it over him, and you're like, you are moving four miles an hour, four miles an hour Franz. Um, so that was really impressive. But yeah, I think I think like that's that's kind of where where maybe you're like if you're if you're the front office, like where do you want to kind of tap into Franz more? Do you want to go with the defensive person? I know he couldn't play actually like a bunch of centers, so it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't really out of Chet. And I know Chet's maybe more of a four slash five, but like, or like, do you want to tap more of the defensive side and you go with Paulo as the guy who's maybe the more offensively slanted, you know, top guy here, or do you want to see like how far can we stretch him as a creator? Like what, what role can he get to? Cause like I mean, the dude averaged 15 points, four and a half rebounds, nearly three assists, 30% from three, uh, he only touched the ball better. 42 times a game. His touches were so low yeah, compared yeah, to wild, K. Yeah. That, that's that's yeah. why I see the upside. So Yeah, and so, I mean, like, you definitely have to get better at some stuff inside the arc, but that, I mean, that'll come naturally, I think, just as he kind of learns and gets craftier and, and whatnot. Um, but I but I, like, I I think, you know, maybe this is part of the reason that ultimately I ended up leaning Chet is that I think that Franz can be, like, your 1B and, and, and like, and so maybe one B, maybe he's an argument for Apollo, but um, I think like guys don't walk in the league at 20 years old, averaging 15 a game on like relatively solid efficiency on a team that, you know, wins 19, 20 games, right? Like, like this doesn't happen very often. So, um, you know, I think obviously Mobley might have done it. They're a better team with, with an all-star creator. Jalen Green obviously had a great year as well, but Jalen Green went number three for a reason. And, sure. and Mobley's a really good prospect for a reason too. Guy, I should say guys who like a draft in the back half of the lottery don't come in on a team that is still devoid of like its main creator long-term right. average 15 on relatively solid efficiency on, on, on scoring versus silly too, right? It wasn't like he just ran 74 pick and rolls a game and just had to kind of spam his scoring by, by volume. He was, mm-hmm. I think his true shooting was a little below average, you know, relative to, you know, the league league average, but again, you'll take that as in year one as a 20 year old. So um, yeah, I think Franz gives you a lot of optionality between with that first pick. And um, I'm really excited for him in year two. And I think a big priority that I'll be looking for is just put the ball in his hands more, tap into that two man game with Wendell, um, see how much a Jalen or a, a Cole or a, a Markel can play off of him. Obviously Markel was really fun down, you know, when he returned for 15, 20 games, um, but I think Franz among those four kind of ball handlers, um, is your most promising one. And so giving him those touches more often and seeing what everyone else can do off of them in, in kind of an off ball role, or maybe a secondary ball handling role, uh, should be a, a big, big emphasis, you know, entering, you know, year two for him. I was really excited. Uh, I mean, it was such a hard time to be a magic fan during this stretch. It was during December when the outbreak came and then we had some injuries where Cole was out for a little while. Some of those and, rosters were, were, were yeah, it was all I, I Lakeland. <laughs> I don't remember the exact, uh, per number it is, but I mean, our, our, our number of missed games due to injury and COVID this year compared to even the second worst in the league is like a marginal margin, huge, huge gap. Um, and uh, it's it's wild, but that that month of December when we were forced to put the ball in in, in Franz's hands because we didn't have a point guard. He was our point guard for like point I don't Franz. know, like, was it like six or seven games or something like that, or almost the whole month? That was yeah, there were a couple of times winning. where like I mean, we, when when 
when you're having to lament losing Tim Frazier, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's some real stuff. That's, that's a real conundrum. And all of a sudden it, Franz is like, what up? he, he wins it. rookie of the month that, that month because yeah. of how good he was with the ball in his hands. And he was and up so, to about 60 touches a game. So I, I think, yeah. I mean, obviously this team is going to have to like make a consolidation at, at some point down the road, uh, just for contract wise and stuff like that. I just, you know, if, if everyone, develops the way we hope they will at some point we're not going to be able to afford everyone and we do have some weird ba balance stuff that that that'll eventually work itself out but um you know I, I i'm with you jackson i want franz to have more ball handling responsibilities we uh and and a lot a few of us in the magic community are, are like you know point franz can can almost be like our uh like a, our modern day hito turkel hito turk hito turkaloo sorry i can't speak right now um, which is just, it's very exciting to think about the possibilities that, that because he has a, a good handle in, in creation, he can, he, he's just going to open up so much more for us having that ability on the wing. at, at Yeah. I size. mean, you're looking at literally a 20% of his rookie year, 17 game stretch from uh, November 29th to January 3rd, averaged 20 points, five yep. rebounds, three assists, a block a game, 38% from three, 47 and a half percent from the field. Uh, got to about the line about five times a game, uh, 80% there. So like that doesn't, that doesn't happen by luck. And I mean, like we, like we mentioned, those rosters were really, Rough. really <laughs> disparate of talent around him. And that's not an indictment on anyone else, but um, it's just the reality. They were calling guys up who were, you know, more suited to play in the G league. And, uh, and so it just doesn't like, it wasn't like it was a four or five game stretch where he played a bunch of bad defenses or a team on back-to-backs. I mean, it was 20% of the year in the middle of the season where he was averaging 20 points, five rebounds, three assists. Like, mm -hmm. uh, he looked like a future star in a bunch of those games and on the whole, he did as well. But, um, it, it was just, it was, I think if, if I had one major gripe of Mosley in year one, it would be that they went away from, and I, I get that he had to Jalen so was in the labs and with Cole Anthony, Mark Helfoltz came back. Chuma has some uh, ball, interesting ball handle upside as well. So we had a lot of quote unquote mouths to feed, but I think you watch that stretch and you got to kind of, you got to like prioritize that moving forward. So um, yeah, I think that's a big, big thing. I'd like to see more of from the magic offense, and which I actually thought was, you know, pretty creative and interesting, you know, from a schematic standpoint as well. Um, some of the stuff they were in, how they kind of clearly understood what guys were good at and where they needed to kind of be schemed into proper spots. Um, but yeah, it's my big one big gripe of Mosley, who you know, I was really, really, uh, you know, impressed by in year one would be that yeah. just put the ball in front of his hands more. Well, the thing is, I, I think it was it was a top down mandate, and that you heard from the beginning of the year they were talking about development, and what they what that came to be on the court was that. They were going to divide the on-ball reps as equally as possible to each. What, what, what do they say? To each according to his purpose. To each, I mean, whatever that Marxist kind remember. of statement yeah. was. Um, but for good or for ill, whether it won them games or, or didn't, and a lot of times it didn't win them games. And that's why a big question that we have right now, once we get the number one pick, now that we have Marco Fultz back, if Jonathan Isaac is healthy or not or what have you, do they still keep saying development, 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 or is it development, but also, hey, we can win a few games. We can get towards the play. And again, not saying you have to mortgage anything. You don't have to make a huge trade, but just a simple fact of saying, okay, Franz is best with the ball in his hands. Let's give him the ball more than feeding RJ a little bit or even feeding um, Cole Anthony, you know, that, that kind of thing. So that's what we're very interested to see because it's not like RJ and Cole won't benefit from on-ball reps. It's just that there's other guys that might benefit from it, from it more. So 
If right, and that's and that's know, almost the the curse. That's almost the curse of Franz, right? Is that like he's a way better off-ball scorer than a Markel, a Cole, a Jalen yeah. Sutton. So like yeah. you can station him in the corner to be a spot threat, or he needs a great baseline cutter too. And obviously, you know, like Suggs and Markel especially are very good passers. Cole is still kind of figuring out some of the nuance. I'm definitely was better in year two than year one in that regard. But that's kind of the issue, right? Is that like Fraud can so seamlessly just play off the ball and still give you a 14 to 15 a night on, on relatively good efficiency. Whereas you move those guys off the ball during their minutes and you're like, well, like, I mean, defense can sag off of them. They're not, you know, not, I mean, mm-hmm. Cole obviously has, has a very voluminous shooter and who was better open the year than he was by season's end. But like Mar- Markel's not shooting really spot up threes. Um, Suggs, we know that the jumper is very much a work in progress. Um, figuring out some of the, like, the landing mechanics for him is a, is a big emphasis, I would say. Um, but that's the issue, right? Is that Franz? It's like, it's like it's a good problem to have, right? Franz is too good in too many areas that, like, you yeah. can just kind of feel good on and off ball. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would agree that, like, it can almost it can almost help though too, right? That like, if Franz like is your best on ball creator among, you know, like, I think he, I think he and Markel are probably your two best on ball creators right now from the perimeter at least. Um, like, if Franz is your best option there, you got to be like, all right, like, all right, Jalen, all right, Cole, all right, Markel, you got to figure out an off ball game because this is going to be you know, one of our leading ball handlers, once we're, you know, getting back to consistently winning ways and uh, like, like we appreciate your game, but like push comes to shove, Franz is going to be our guy over, over any of you. And if you want to be kind of the complimentary player on this roster, you got to figure out ways to, you know, assume that complimentary role ideally. Yeah. Well, cause the thing is um, Cole Anthony and Marco Fultz played a grand total of 75 minutes together <laughs> last year. Now, We've all talked about Cole's being a six man and coming off the bench next year and all, but he was the leading scorer this past year. And with Jalen Suggs kind of coming back from the ankle injury, I'm looking forward to seeing what if you see Markel and Cole together in the backcourt, what that might look like, even just on a, a short period. What do you see that possibility? What do you see the possibility of Suggs and Markel together in the backcourt? Yeah, I think the between Markel and Cole, right, that Cole is, you know, a pretty good shooter. I know he didn't shoot great you know, from through this year, but like 34% on his volume, you know, in the role he had for through two years is pretty impressive. Um, whereas Markel is much more kind of slithering and snaking and spinning his way to the rim. So there's definitely kind of some good congruency there. Or sorry. Yeah. Congruency is the right word. I think, I don't know. Um, harmony, I guess is an easier way to put it um, between them offensively, but obviously Cole's defense is, Still a work in progress in, in a, a nice lot of way facets. To say it. <laughs> um, whereas Markel, you see some interesting stuff with his length and the way he can kind of get over screens at times. Uh, obviously, he's still kind of working things out in that regard as well. But um, and like Suggs and Cole is a, or sorry, Suggs and, and Markel is a. You, you need, I mean, you just need more shooting <laughs> from from deep, and so um, that'll put some emphasis on. Like I like Suggs. I mean, I think like. I just, you know, I like some of the ways that Suggs went about problem solving throughout the year, um, using his craft and like that to get the rim. But, you know, the jumper is is pretty shoddy and the handle is and the ball control are not what you want from a guy who's going to be commanding a lot of reps on the ball. But at the same time, you can see ways he could be really deadly as a cutter. He was great as a cutter at Ramzaga, especially I remember. Um, I mean, attacking off the catch, if he can at least elicit those closeouts. So, um I just, I, I, with Suggs especially, I know this is kind of a bit of a tangent. I, I wonder like how, how does he stay consistently healthy? Because this was a year of a lot of Nick, nicked up things. Not any, you know, I think he had the one, the one, one wrist injury, which is always just a flip. I mean, like Joel Embiid smacks down on his hand incidentally and 
I mean, that's a lot of force coming from Joel. It's just the way it goes. But a lot of other he things. He falls I mean, a lot. A lot of collisions. Yeah. yeah. He, he plays. I mean. Plays like a football player. Yes. I was going to say. And that's, it's just. And he plays the way Gonzaga too. The risk taking of trying to make stuff happen in the passing lanes. But it's just like you, get, you can't be on the ground that much. I mean, it's a very. It's different. But it's similar to how Robert Williams played a lot of his first couple of years. Like, I don't think it's exactly the same, but Robert Williams was always on the ground, always missing time because he just kind of played a bit of a frenetic nature. And that's the similarity between him and Sug, which is, didn't think I would be comparing or <laughs> similar. No, you're, you're um, right. I see, it. Just, I see it. Yeah. And so um, figuring out ways to work around that, whether it's just changing up his just certain things and whatever he's doing. But I think that's an important thing too, is like he's just a guy who he played so successfully for so long in his career through one through kind of not one style, but like with one approach or multiple approaches that he got to the NBA and that lack of a jumper and the lack of a great handle really kind of started to deter him. And he just hasn't had the reps to find a new beneficial approach, but you saw flashes, you saw times you'd use a hezzy and then get downhill a little scoop layup. He'd use the basket to get to the rim. Like I remember in a game against New York early in the year, I think the magic one where he had a couple of really nice drives and making stuff happen. It was like, okay, Jalen's starting to figure it out, you know, but he just didn't get those consistent reps because of the injuries. And I think the injuries are stemming part of his play style. And so figuring that, that it will be really important for Jalen, who I think is too heady of a player to not make it work, but he's, got to get the reps to make it work and learn how to make it work. I'm, I'm pretty high on Suggs. I I'm excited to see what he comes back looking like, uh, you know, next season and, and maybe not at the beginning of the season and maybe, maybe my checkpoint for him for the development since he had, um, you know, some ankle surgery uh, at the end of the year is, is more like halfway point or, or towards the end. In January, um, then, then, you know, someone like Wendell, who's having a healthy off season, Cole, who's having a healthy off season, like what kind of, what kind of jumps they make even France to an extent. I thought yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I would love to, um, you know, I, I always kind of go into a season looking at a couple different checkpoints, you know, obviously at the start from maybe what happened at the end of the year before, the, what, what they worked on over the summer, then, you know, midway and a couple other spots. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really looking forward to, to sucks. Cause he's, he's got a lot of potential. I mean, like the pick and roll passing was impressive yeah. when the playmaking off the ball, the on-ball defense at times, if there's clearly flashes of like, okay, he can figure out some of the scoring aspect. There's a lot to like in this guy. I mean, his shot even, I mean, I'm not a shot doctor by any means, but it doesn't even pretty. look that bad. Like it should be able to like go in. And you had mentioned something about the landing. I didn't really think about that. And maybe that is a big factor in why he's having some issues there. Um, but it doesn't seem like he's not going to be able to figure the shot out to, to at least get to, you know, a respectable distance from three, even if he's not lights out there. Um, so I I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing what happens. Um, uh, Jackson, as we slowly wrap up this conversation here, uh, over the next few minutes, as we're getting close to our time with you, um, let's just hypothetically say the magic have some average internal development with their players that are younger and they, are no longer the worst team by health and games missed by the largest margin. And maybe we're like closer to league average. Um, and you don't even have to consider Jonathan Isaac in this because that's such an unknown for everyone. He hasn't played in two years. Where do you kind of see the magic like sitting in the Eastern conference uh, or, or even just in the NBA, like kind of like, where do you see them next season as far as, as just a team in general? Yeah, I mean, I think anywhere from like 32 to 38 wounds would be a really successful year. I mean, I know that's a big jump from 22, but 
I expect Wendell to have a really, really awesome year. I expect whoever they take, uh, you know, especially if it's Paula Richette, obviously I've made clear that I prefer them to Jabari that like, um, not that my, again, I don't want to just prep listeners, not that I'm not some draft expert anymore. Um, you know, or do I don't do as much in depth work, but if they take one of them, I think you're going to have a pretty impactful rookie and, and Franz, I think year two is going to be absolutely awesome. Um, and so I just, and some of it does matter too, like how do they run out their bench? I remember that what one point last year, they had like a, like a leading their starting unit. Like when they were on the floor, like a leading net rating in the NBA and their bench was like among oh, the yeah. worst. Um, train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that, I know that Gary Harris wasn't expiring this year. I don't know what his plans are, but I think if he, like he would be a nice guy to bring back. He was so awesome after a bit of a slow start in Orlando. Was, I think he yeah. would be, he would provide a nice, and I, it's tough too, because like, there's just so many like guys that you don't want to just like give up on in Orlando. Like, and I'm not saying that like you should do that, but like you've got some of those, these, some of these fringier guys with the, you know, with the Chuma and RGS specifically that I kind of think about that, you know, I'm not saying like by any means their NBA careers are damned, but they're not on the level of intrigue of a, of a Wendell or a Franz or even a Suggs. Uh, so I think round at the bench would be, I'm curious to see how they do that. Um, but yeah, anywhere from 32 to 38, it was kind of maybe what I would kind of put as a range. Like I said, I like Mosley a lot. I like Wendell. I think Franz is going to be a guy. Like I think Wendell and Franz could both be top 50 ish, top 60 ish guys next year. And that's not, that's not too all-star in like that, but that's a path to, you know, Take it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a path yeah, to competency. Totally. Yeah. So, um, and you, you know, like I said, if, if Markel plays a full year, I like the dynamic he brings, of course, um, consistent scoring from him will still be important. You know, the aesthetics are there and the passions there and the, the slashings there, but he still got to put the ball in the hoop, but you know, an effective rate, especially going into year, year six, five, six, year six, right? Cause this, I think Tatum's year five, Wendell's year four. This was the first year on his extension. So yeah. Yeah. yeah my goodness. Wow. It's a long time ago at this point that he was drafted, but, um, but yeah, so I did start 32 to 38, um, but a lot, you know, depends on kind of what to do with their bench that I, I like, I like what they got going. I like who's patrolling the sidelines and I like who's leading them on the court. So um, maybe that's overrating things a little bit, but um, I was really optimistic about Cleveland last year and I was, I became a little too tepid on them and they ended up obviously being great. So I'm going to be a little more optimistic about, you know, the magic this year, at least publicly. And, and so, uh, yeah, I'd say 32 to 38 wins. And if they ended up up 35, it'd be like, yeah, this is a team that's on its way to something really, really exciting. So um, that's, that's where I'll land for now. I, I think that's a super fair response. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause like the magic won the, the, the lottery by getting the first pick, we had the second, like what we landed, finished the season with 22 wins, second worst record, second worst record, for worst odds. Yeah. But by, but by no means, if you watch the, the team closely and you see the skill level on there, and then you put into context, the injuries and the games missed and, um, you know, just, just stuff like that. You, you can see a path to qu- quickly, um, quickly becoming a more respected team, right? For a team with 22 wins, they had some, they had some impressive wins. They had some impressive losses too. Yeah. Um, like I just remember they had one early in the year where they just like kind of boat raced the jazz in the second half or something at home. And they had a couple other wins like that, that I kind of recall. Um, I want to put the bucks tight once or twice. I know the bucks weren't maybe the most, fully locked in or healthy team throughout the regular season this year. But um and yeah, I mean I think Giannis is a is a good thing. Oh yeah. Or even play that play that team close with Chris Milton, Drew Holiday yeah. and Bud and Bud patrolling the sidelines. But like I think among like you look at these kind of these five or six teams at the bottom, the Thunder, the Rockets, you know, the Pistons, the Pacers, like 
I, I feel like I, the, the Magic are certainly closer to the top of that that five or six team grouping than anywhere close to the bottom in terms of why I'm optimistic about them long-term and kind of what I saw from them last season. So, uh, yeah, I think a little better health and a little better depth. Um, it sounds funny talking about depth on a young team. Like the like your young players are your most reliable guys. It's, it's kind of a weird dynamic. But, um, yeah, just some competent bench playing. You know, I'm curious to kind of see who can they kind of bring in that wants to mentor and just kind of just kind of teach if that's an important thing, right? Just to teach guys how to, how to be successful as a team. Uh, and it can also, can also give you some good minutes, you know, 14, 18 minutes a night. So here's kind of see what they bring in free agency and, and how they play. But I, I like, I like kind of the style that they've embraced and I like what Mosley's doing. And I think the fact that Gary Harris kind of like resurrected his career a little bit, especially the last four or five months with Mosley, you know, like if I'm watching that, like, I think, I, I think Gary Harris is going to like get paid kind of decently this year. Not, not four years, 80 million. Like he made last time he was, <laughs> he was available for a new deal. But like, I think like if I'm a phrase, I'm looking at that and saying like, yeah, I can, I can make it work here. Like there's clearly something. So um, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, you get a guy who just really wants to embrace that mentorship role and can also give you some solid minutes off, off the bench. So um, that'll be big, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of things to like with this, with this magic team. The the free agent conversation is, is something we don't have enough time to get into, but, <laughs> but the, the nice thing is like with having the first pick with having some of these young guys on, on contracts that are still very flexible and having some money we have. Yeah. We're one of the, one of five teams that has a lot of money and, and, and it's nice too, because our front office is not afraid to to pay people appropriately to, to, to retain them. They did it with Vooch. They did it with Terrence Ross. They did it with uh, Aaron Gordon, their very first season, like off season before they even like had any control over it. Um, uh, you know, they, 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 they don't have, and, and even if you go back past this front office, like the magic are not a, like the magic ownership is not afraid to spend some money. So it's, it'll be interesting. We'll waste I'm, some money. I'm definitely, uh, yeah, we're waste money. Exactly. Sorry, Bismack Biombo. Um, I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the, on the same page as you. I'd, I'd like to retain Gary Harris. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a player that's been you know, versatile and uh, been on some winning teams and had some good playoff runs with his past team. So he's, he's and, and the magic, the rally too, is they need, they need more shooting like that. <laughs> Gary yeah. brought. So, and they need more premier defense as well. I think and, and, and he brought both those things. Yeah. I would, you know, for, for Gary's sake, I would, you know, and I actually I want to do whatever he wants, but like, I think it'd be fun to watch when I contender again, but also yeah. I'll watch the magic about as much as I'll watch contenders throughout the regular season. So it doesn't matter much to me. Um, and I think he fits a clear need, but yeah, there's definitely some options they have. It's just a matter of figuring out like, where are we like, like I said, with some of those fringier young guys, like where, who we believe the most in, who do we feel like, okay, we're going to make this guy really earn his minutes versus let's just kind of hand him minutes as a product of being a young guy. But, but yeah, Gary back in Orlando, I would very much enjoy because he was good. All He was good overall in the year, but he was especially good after like December, maybe mid November. I just remember he couldn't hit the, couldn't hit a, couldn't punt a beach ball in an ocean for about four or five weeks. And then he, and he couldn't, he could fit a thimble through a, I don't even know, something, something small. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Jackson, I know we're, we're running short on time. I do want to say um, before we, we wrap up a little bit that um, from my dealings with, with, some draft professionals and people like that, you're very well respected in your field, even though you're a young writer. A lot of people have a very high opinion of you. I know reading your work and reading even just your tweets, your love of basketball really comes through and even in your writing and stuff. So I really wanted to have this time and I really appreciate it. You know, you're giving so much time to us, man. 
yeah, I really appreciate that from, from you and anyone else that, that's talking with you. It's, that's cool to hear, but yeah, I look forward to, you know, talking more with you guys once the, the magic are back in full swing, which is still about four and a half months away, but, but I'm ready. I'm excited for this. It's <laughs> really excited for this team. I hope that's that excitement's been palpable. I think this is, this young core deserves a lot more fanfare from, I guess, national fans and media. And I, I hope to play a role in the latter at least. And so uh, I'm sure we'll talk again next season, but yeah, really excited about this team. And I think just whoever they draft number one is going to fit in well. And I, I think this is going to like a core that's going to really kind of start to pop off next year. And I'm glad to kind of be on the, the ground floor of it from a national perspective a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you definitely are. And, and Mark, you know, on your team is, is, is a, is a fan of the magic too. Uh, um, you know, like I said, he was going to, he was going to come on our show uh, last week, but had some complications. And so it's like, it's just one, it's nice to have, um, some love from people that cover the NBA on a national level, but also two on, on a level that want to engage with us yeah, on, on a smaller level. And so it's, it's just great. It's like super psyched to have you on the show tonight and, uh, and hopefully get Mark on in the near future. League that blows my for, for the NBA basketball in general, obviously he's doing a lot of great WNBA work as well right now, but yeah, Nikias has doing, done some good stuff. I think yeah. I'm a little bit as well. So uh, yeah, we, we've got a good group of basketball news, but, but Mark somehow my, if my, if my love for basketball is here in my persona online and my writing marks is off the screen. So, uh, yeah, kudos to Mark shout out to Nikai. Basketball is life, man. It's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful sport. Really, really wonderful, uh, game that I appreciate getting to, to cover and talk about for a living. So thank you to the two of you for, for allowing me to do that tonight. Yeah, no problem. Well, um, go ahead, Malik. Sorry. Well, so they t- tell people where people can find you. I, your your Patreon is kind of active or not active or? Nah, it's inactive. Don't subscribe. Really. Okay, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> you're subscribed, you're unsubscribed. <laughs> it was doing that one. It's kind of still figuring out some freelance roles. But um, yeah. yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at JackFrank underscore DJF. You can find my work at Basketball News, Dime Up Rocks, The Analyst, and Liberty Ballers, the last of which I'm doing all Sixers stuff. I'm sure I'll have to do a little Sixers free agency profile on, on Gary Harris. Uh, I don't want to poach him from you guys, but... I would enjoy watching him on in a secret uniform as well. Just, you know, uh, it'd be fun. So, uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I need more shooting and perimeter defense, especially with Danny Green's unfortunate injury. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find all of our work and we'll have a lot more stuff in the finals. And I'm sure I'll do something on the magic this offseason because they'll be, as we started at the top, they, they are on my mind uh, these days. So happy to uh, give them their praise. Well, we'll definitely be reposting anytime you uh, uh, talk about the magic and, uh, and you know, we definitely look forward to having you back on the show at some point down the road. So um, for all you magic fans listening to the show, make sure you go give Jackson a huge shout out, give him a follow. He does great work. Give basketball news a, uh, a follow as well. If you're not, if you're not already tuned into them. Um, yeah. And thanks for tuning in. We'll, we'll catch up with you all next week.